Hello. Welcome to Harmony UK podcast, all about the exciting world of British barbershop harmony singing. This 21st edition is devoted to a group of people who, though rarely acclaimed on stage, are quietly shaping the future of the barbershop art form. They're a new wave of young and gifted musical arrangers. Arranging is, is, is a very in thing right now. Um, particularly among younger bulb shoppers, and I think that's a really positive thing. I got my little black dress on. Having the passion about that song is important, so if someone commissioned something that, you know, I wasn't a big fan of, it, it would take a lot for me to say, yeah, I'll do it, because you have to really care about the song, I think. I have grade five music theory, but that's as far as it goes. My technical knowledge isn't really up to, up to scratch at all. I like to call it arranging by ear. It's amazing when uh, you know people enjoy something that you've done and, and kind of want to sing it, because the whole purpose of doing this stuff is you want people to sing it. In the past couple of years, new names like Sam Hubbard, Hannah Briggs, Nick Bryant and Simon Arnott have become increasingly familiar to quartets, chorus directors and music teams looking for fresh contest and show material. And their arrangements are now beginning to be performed all over the world alongside old favourites from well-established American names like Aaron Dale, Nancy Bergman, Jim Clancy and David Wright. Many of the new arrangers graduated recently from university, and most will tell you that they have been steeped in harmonies and choral music from a very early age. My name's Sam Hubbard. I'm a barbershopper, a singer, arranger. I sing with Hallmark of Harmony, who are the men's chorus here in Sheffield. And for the last few years, I've been doing freelance work as an arranger for barbershop groups and for other kind of folk ensembles as well. I became sort of enamoured with vocal harmony from the first time I joined my school choir. I was 10. I joined at first just because my friends were involved. I, I, I wasn't kind of particularly in it for any deep love of the music, but pretty quickly I became a massive choral nerd and I became uh, very interested in how the music was put together. And so sort of throughout my teenage years, as well as doing a lot of choral music, I also found lots of stuff on the internet for other kinds of vocal music. So um, groups like the King Singers, acapella ensembles, jazz groups like the High Lows or Take Six, um, and of course Barbershop. Come along with me to the Mississippi. We'll take the boat to the land of dreams. Sing down the river down to New Orleans. I think it does help having listened to it for so long. Um, my parents obviously had it on all the time and are both very accomplished barbershoppers, so listening to their groups as well as recordings and things like that, I feel like I've got more of a grip on it from, from their help, really. That's Hannah Briggs. Like Sam Hubbard, she lives and works in Sheffield, and her barbershop activities include directing the women's chorus Steel City Voices, singing with her quartet, the Bakewell Tarts, and providing learning tracks through her own online business. So when did she become aware of the arranger's art? 
It probably didn't come until a later age, maybe kind of high school age, when I started being aware of people like David Wright and, you know, he's a massive arranging obviously inspiration to me and I'm sure Sam because you kind of don't think about the fact that someone's actually sat down and arranged it ready for you to sing when you're younger I think but when when I got older obviously realized that we've got such amazing people like David and you know obviously British arrangers now that are kind of such a big inspiration. So what was the spur then that made you decide that you wanted to have a go yourself? I'm not sure really I can't remember the first thing I ever did I think one of my mum's friends barbershop friends just took a chance on me and said we like this song we want a very simple arrangement like a lead kind of feature thing do you just fancy having a go and I thought yeah all right then (laughs) I'd never really done it before and uh, it was a really simple arrangement I think it was um somewhere only we know by Keen and I just went for it I just listened to the song loads and loads I had it kind of on one tab on the computer and then my arranging thing on the other tab and I would listen to the intro loads and loads of times and then I would just kind of try and write down what I've heard really I've got a degree in music and obviously I had I did an A-level in music as well and that really really helped a lot because then I understood the proper theory of it This is one of Hannah Briggs' arrangements, the Bruce Springsteen song Dancing in the Dark, as performed by her chorus in Sheffield, Steel City Voices. And that interest in the detail, just how a song is put together, is also something which fascinated Sam Hubbard. Any time I heard a performance or a song that I really, really liked, I would want to sort of figure out how it was, you know, what was going on under the hood. So I spent um, a lot of my time transcribing i.e. listening to the arrangement over and over and getting out my notation software and trying to piece together what I was hearing. And I would really recommend that, especially if you're a 15-year-old with uh, with far too much free time on your free hands. You make it sound as though you're almost like a sort of musical engineer. <laughs> well, uh, uh, arranging sort of has, has that feel, because it, it, especially in something like Barbershop, which, which is a very, not regimented, but, but it has a very specific set of stylisms to it. And Paul Davis... Um, British judge and arranger always describes some parts of arranging a bit like doing a Sudoku puzzle. So, you know, there's an artism there and a creativity, but there are some parts of it that do feel more technical and, and feels like they feel like things that have to go in a certain place because of what other things are doing. So the barbershop chord writing is it feels a bit like a crossword or a Sudoku sometimes. <laughs> Sam's arrangement of the Simon and Garfunkel song Keep the Customer Satisfied was performed by Hallmark of Harmony in the Netherlands at the 2019 Holland Harmony Convention. Like most young British barbershop arrangers, Hannah Briggs and Sam Hubbard both graduated with degrees in music. But not all did. I'm not your typical arranger, so I know you've been talking to Sam Hubbard and, and there's other arrangers out there like Hannah and Liz Garnett. They've all got, you know, really, really uh, technically technically brilliant brains. They all understand music theory really well. Um, I have grade five music theory, but that, that's as far as it goes. My technical knowledge isn't really up to, up to scratch at all. I like to call it arranging by ear. So I, I kind of, um, I know how to use sort of all the, 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 the notation software and all that, but I, I write out the melody and I sort of hear what I want to hear in my head and just 
get it out like that. That's that's sort of the, the method I use. So I don't know what most of the chords are called necessarily, but my inspiration comes from some of my favourite songs and arrangements. I, I grew up listening to Vocal Spectrum and the Westminster Chorus and the Ambassadors of Harmony. And um, that sort of inspiration is where I get my um, my sound from. Nick Bryant, another young British arranger based in Yorkshire and a member of the 2019 Babs Champion Youth Quartet Apollo 11. Nick's intuitive approach to arrangement has taken him a long way. In the first instance, I arranged Let's Go Fly a Kite when I was, I think, 15 years old. And then it was just sat on my computer for about a year, maybe two years. And uh, I, I just thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice if someone sang that? And, you know, I was, I was very naive and, and um, sort of blindly ambitious to a certain extent. So I, I emailed it to Finest Hour, just the full mix. And I said, hi, guys, I've got this arrangement. Maybe if you're looking for a new song, it's, it's there if you want it. And um, they took it and I was, I was absolutely ecstatic when, when they took it and when I heard them sing it for the first time, that was the buzz I got. Um, and I get that buzz every single time. Roll up, roll up, always Example of Nick's work, Finest Hour, with that Disney classic Let's Go Fly a Kite, as performed in 2018 during a show for Nottingham's Lay City Chorus. So here's a question, what does make for a great musical arrangement? For an answer, let's stay in Yorkshire. Sally McLean is the musical director of the White Rosettes. This year at Labs, her chorus just lost out on the gold medal by the narrowest of margins to Amersham a cappella. But over the years, the White Rosettes have amassed more gold medals than any other UK chorus. So what is Sally looking for in a first-class arrangement? I think there are many elements. I, I like really good melodies that I find I sing around the house. Often a good sign if it's an earworm, easily pickable melody, often something that's recognisable so that people can instantly hook into it. But I think probably more importantly is, is the harmony around it. Really good harmony, good stretching range, interesting chords, unusual turns. And I like things that have a journey. Always like to have a piece of music that has a climax in it so that there's, there's a, a kind of a peak in there that's already available to you that's written down in the arrangement. Often arrangements don't provide that and good arrangers always provide that for you. The climaxes, key changes, uh, intros and tags that are not shoehorned in that kind of feel like they've always fit with the piece of music if, even if they were composed to go onto the piece of music. Chords in particular that have an onomatopoeic feel that when you sing them they sound like the lyric that goes with them. I adore those kinds of things. Does, uh, does enchantment pour out of every door? It has this beautiful uh, glissando slide on the paw that sounds like music pouring out of the door. It's just two chords. David Wright, genius. There's onomatopoeic uh, musical arranging where the, the slide and movement of the music sounds like the music is pouring. Oh, it was beautiful. Sally McLean directing that David Wright arrangement of the My Fair Lady song On the Street Where You Live with an audition chorus at Babs Harmony College. But the budding arranger being part of a group of singers and musicians is a distinct advantage. 
we've come to London, to Meantime Chorus. In a church in Pimlico, the chorus is rehearsing for Christmas. Well, over the past four years, meantime, have established themselves as one of Bab's leading choruses. They're small, less than 30 members, but they do have several singers who also arrange, and not only for barbershop ensembles. We keep this love in a photograph We made these memories for ourselves Where our eyes are never closing Hearts are never broken And time's forever frozen still For me, it was uh, less about being at school and more about um, having access to people that could bring the arrangements to life, like a, a, a string quartet that could play like the Ghanaian songs that I'd written, or like an a cappella group that could sort of like put the beatboxing notation and develop sort of down and sort of make all these weird and wonderful sounds. I think for me, I wouldn't be anywhere near as good an arranger today unless I'd had the experience of hearing what it sounds like off the page. And like I said, like it's, it's all about access to musicians. That's Samuel Wolfe, who joined Meantime after several years singing and arranging with the award-winning Oxford-based contemporary a cappella group Out of the Blue. The chorus director, Simon Arnott, has arranged not only for Meantime, but also Sweet Adeline's chorus, The London City Singers, which he also directs, and the quartet Trailblazers, with whom he sings. So what's it like to have so many singers on whom, as an arranger, he can experiment? Yeah, um, some of them are, are more experimented on than others as well. I must say, Trailblazers bear the brunt of pretty much everything. They were they were kind of the first group I did like contestable barbershop arrangements for, and they were stupid enough to agree to sing them. I'm sentimental, so I walk in the rain. I've got some habits, even I can't you learn a lot by doing these sort of things and again when trying to push different ideas and new sort of thoughts it's nice to have a group to try it with um, that are also good enough to say that doesn't work and can we maybe try this kind of on the fly in rehearsals. Simon Arnott and a couple of very different arrangements from him sung by Trailblazers. And on occasion, inspiration can come from even closer to home. James Whittock is another member of Trailblazers and Meantime, who both sings and arranges. And when we spoke, he was looking forward to a rather special premiere for a song that he's been working on. There's an arrangement of mine that will be premiered at Labs, actually, which is 
inspired by my partner at the moment who's uh, also a singer and she's very good uh, there's a particular song that she sings really really well and I was like must arrange that at some point and it took me a while but eventually I arranged it and it's going to be sung on one of the shows at labs did that really just happen have I actually understood this weird quirk I've tried to suppress or hide is a talent that could help me meet the wizard if I make good. So, so I'll make good. The song is uh, The Wizard and I from the musical Wicked and it's uh, being sung as a septet between the previous Labs champions, uh, Avalon Quartet, and the previous Mixed champions, uh, Scramble, um, who share a member in Helen Warner, my partner, who will be singing the melody. And, and what was it about that song that attracted both you and, and them to it? Oh, it's a banger. It's <laughs> no, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a great song, very inspiring, very um, exciting, and because it's Stephen Schwartz, it's very spicy chords everywhere, very not barbershop, but very fun, hopefully, to sing and hear. Held in such high esteem, when people see me, they will scream for half of Oz's favorite team. Uh, A stellar performance at Labs Convention for that arrangement of The Wizard and I from Avalon and Scramble together, with Helen Warner singing a great solo. I'd like you all to know James Whittick, the baritone of Scramble, and my fiancé arranged that piece for us. He arranged that and it's awesome. So. British arrangers, yeah! Thank you to Labs for providing that recording. And if you were there at Clandidno, then I hope it brought back a multitude of happy memories. Of course, it's commissions from others that help make an arranger's reputation. And here, too, being close to a group of singers can help. Sam Hubbard. My first commission from a barbershop quartet was um, my arrangement of the Joe Stilgo song, We Should Kiss, which I arranged for the Emerald Guard. And that came about because of the fact that I joined Hallmark. So Hallmark's music leadership team consisted, and still consists, of Andy Allen and Tim Briggs, both of whom are members of the Emerald Guard. And they knew that I that I, I dabbled <laughs> in the dark arts and very graciously uh, offered to try me out and said, we've got this song we've been wanting to do, would you like to have a go? And I, I spent a very long time on it, I think probably far longer than they were expecting, um, but I, yeah, I, they, they, they still sing it, which is very, 
very kind of them. That was probably my first, my first real jab at arranging something meaty and involved. <laughs> and you've done quite a lot for the Emerald Emerald Garden. We can we can see why, uh, given your, your your links with Hallmark as well. But some of them have been quite controversial. I remember, I think three years ago at Babs, uh, they did Me and Mrs. Jones, the Billy Paul, the, mm. the, the, the the soulful song. And your arrangement was quite like Billy Paul's original in in terms of its shape, and it was clearly recognisable. Judges weren't so keen, though. There was one in particular, yeah. I'm told, who, uh, <laughs> who who questioned whether this was really barbershop and whether they should get all the points that they were they were otherwise going to get. It straddled the line, certainly, and I think that was that was essentially what what we were aiming for. The, the, the Emerald Guard are, are known contrarians. <laughs> so you, you you were deliberately setting out to be contrary to see what well, you could get away with. Not setting out to be contrarian, but I, I think we were we were we were setting out to do something that was. That was on the edge stylistically, and and that was as faithful as as possible to to the arrangement. It went through several drafts, so I I, I was doing a, a bit of a back and forth with them, sending sending them a version saying, "What do you think of this?" And they were like, "Oh, we, we like we like this, but we feel it's it's a bit square here. Maybe you could." So, so it, I, I was egged on, I think I would say, by them to to produce something that was a bit more stylistically edgy, and yeah, and and we it, it was a calculated risk. We knew it, we knew it, it was towing the line, um, and, and I think that's evidenced by the fact that, that, that they've sung it twice in contests, and one year it scored pretty well. And the other year it didn't score so well. So, so it is, you know, it's a it's a high risk, high reward game doing the quantum material like that. I'm wondering about that. I'm wondering, for example, at, at what sort of reaction you were you were hoping for if the one judge who looked like he'd swallowed a wasp when he heard it um, had actually persuaded the others that maybe the Emerald Guard should be disqualified with that song. Would you would you see would you see that as a bit of a feather in your cap, or would you have been deeply disappointed? <laughs> um, neither, really. Um, it's just I, I I guess I have a, a bit of um, sympathy with with that judge's plight because I'm I'm. I'm a music candidate myself, so I know the, uh, the dilemma of, of having to assess on the spot how good of a vehicle something is. If they decided that they really didn't like it and they and they gave it a 50 or something, I, th- I think I would have just taken it as a, a learning experience rather than being necessarily either hugely disgruntled or, <laughs> for that matter, hugely proud. <laughs> I don't think I'd be either. <laughs> we got a thing. We got a thing. 
Sam Hubbard on some of the risks of arranging. But the rewards can be tremendous too, especially when the right arrangement is in the hands of performers who can really do it justice. Life may not always be easy, but here's our advice. There's nothing that can't be solved by putting on a little black dress. A highlight of 2019 for British barbershoppers, the quartet Fortuity are on stage in New Orleans at the International Sweet Adelines Convention. Their performance won them a top 10 place, and one of their songs, the Sarah Barayas number Little Black Dress, was arranged for them by Hannah Briggs, with Fortuity's tenor, Varian Zimba, taking a solo. That was a commission from them. It was just a song that they really like and they asked me to do it and they've made it very in solo, which is really nice. But yeah, that was a, a very proud moment for me when they sang that on the, on the stage. You came, lifted me up, but then you dropped a hurricane. Now I'm fighting to find the ground again. To steady my so tell me how you go about that then. Do you take into account um, the particular singing talents of, of, of the quartet and trying to arrange it specifically for them? So that one, I didn't know they were going to make it very in solo, so I just arranged it normal kind of lead range. But obviously she's a fantastic singer and they just decided that it would be for her and then Gemma sang the tenor. I think I asked, because it was Ellie at the time when they asked me for that song, Ellie was the bass, and I think I might have asked them about their range and stuff like that, kind of part range and how low they can get and how high they can get and things like that. But I don't feel experienced enough, not like someone like Sam, to kind of be able to cater for that particular group. I think Sam's a bit, <laughs> a bit better at that kind of thing, but it is important. Um, and if I did it more, I definitely would take it into account. It is remarkable how many of these new, young and very accomplished British barbershop arrangers still feel that they are learning their craft. But why have so many arrived on the scene all at once? And why now? To me, it's with the rise of a cappella in popular culture, not just uh, in barbershop, but like over the last 10 years, we've seen a massive increase in uh, student a cappella groups, certainly, which is where I, I had my roots. I'm actually wearing my out of the blue jumper right now. <laughs> and with movies like sort of Pitch Perfect, uh, that series coming out, um, the, the American show, The Sing Off, um, all the work done by like sort of people like Deke Sharon and Chris Diaz, just as uh, and the Pentatonics and the Magnets and Swingle Singers and all these groups and the real group sort of like making a cappella more and more sort of accessible and popular to a younger generation. I think that's where it's maybe coming from. Samuel Wolfe, one of the group of arrangers at Meantime Chorus. And according to Sally McLean, director of the White Rosettes, this rise in interest from young people has led to a rethink from the various barbershop organisations. I was thinking about this, that 40 years ago, 37 years I've been in labs, and 37 years ago, uh, really the membership was drawn from people who want to sing. 
they were not not and this isn't everybody i'm kind of huge generalizing here but my understanding was that it was women who wanted to sing it wasn't necessarily women who were qualified in the theory of music that wasn't the the tag that went with it it was can you sing and can you sing in tune then come and join this chorus you know we want to we want to get labs to be a, a bigger association than it is if you can sing and sing in tune you're in but i think now the fact that publicly it's cooler to sing i think has drawn people who are already studying music so we have younger people who are studying music who have fabulous theoretical talents that maybe 40 years ago we didn't have in the association and that should be encouraged and then i think there should be education then to add to their own musical theory that is barbershop musical theory you know that the barbershop requirements in the music category should be available to everybody so that we can begin to understand what we're doing in a little more detail and the organizations are responding labs for example has recently established the jen mills award jen was a much loved and very active singer and music judge and the award in her memory will be presented every year to a different quartet for them to commission and perform a song from a british arranger Babs promotes an arranger's stream at its Harmony College, while Sweet Adelines runs its own international certification programme to provide additional skills and support for musical arrangers. Then there's the advice and assistance that arrangers provide more informally to one another. Nick Bryant. I've gone to Sam Hubbard quite a number of times to ask for feedback on arranging um, because he's you know, incredibly clever and he, he'll, he'll give me some amazing feedback. I've also gone to, to Liz Garner and um, I try and pull as many kind of third ears as, as, as possible. And we all had a day at not this Harmony College, just gone but the one before. The Thursday afternoon before Harmony College, David Wright came to uh, lead a day to all the kind of uh, most active arrangers in Babs. And I think there were, there were maybe eight or nine of us there. And I think after that day, we all sort of got a sense of this is a, a joint venture. We're all, we're all on the same path. We're all trying to gain that reputation and, and, and um, break the international stage. At Meantime Chorus in London, the Christmas rehearsal continues. For this year's joint concert with the London City Singers, they've some new material arranged in-house. So when it comes to that new material, I wondered, do the three arrangers, Simon, James and Samuel, cooperate? Or is the temptation to compete with one another? Samuel Wolfe. Um, I don't know, actually. I feel like i um, done a Christmas arrangement for Meantime and LCS joints coming up. And James did a joint LCS Meantime Christmas arrangement the year previous, which was once in Royal David City, which is on Facebook somewhere or, or YouTube. new one definitely tips its hat to James's previous arrangement but I'd say it's not competing with it so much as uh, it's learnt from what uh, doesn't and doesn't doesn't work in arrangements so like I say like you, you need to bring things to life to know what's truly gonna work uh, and sort of learn from that experience but no I as arrangers especially the three of us we all have like very much a, a sort of sonic signature there's a little bit of a style it's less about competing and more about doing what we do well and kind of for the best of the, the, the people that are then going to be singing it. So does that mean that the other side of the coin, collaboration, is, is, is perhaps more important? Then? I mean, how, how, how much do you talk to each other about what you do? Um, from time to time, uh, Simon and I both sing in Trailblazers. 
and uh, Simon is a prolific arranger who will somehow manage to power through an entire song within a day sometimes, whereas I can be very slow, and there's a particular song that I've been mulling over for over a year now, still unfinished, but occasionally within quartet, um, Simon will send round an arrangement that he's done, and we'll get feedback from uh, myself or others within the quartet, and I'll say, what about doing this here or this chord here instead, and we'll have a bit of a discussion about what we think might serve the song and serve the quartet best. But yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of that. We have, um, actually, within meantime, we have a, a Slack group with a channel for arrangers where people can share their, their arrangements and look for feedback and advice and uh, tips on how to improve and get better and stuff. A remarkable tag from that James Whittick arrangement of once in Royal David City. And staying with LCS in the meantime. It was Simon Arnott's connection as musical director of the London City Singers which brought him to the attention of Sweet Adeline's International when they were looking to place a prestigious commission last summer for a song to be performed en masse at the first ever International Education Symposium, the IES, to be held here in the UK. lucky enough to get a chance to arrange for the whole of the IES so celebration and it was a great song and it was really fun to put and try and make it work for, for four parts it was quite tricky actually it's a very rangy song uh, to try and then suddenly kind of squish down it took quite a bit of effort that one Four parts and about 300 voices as well. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a huge choir singing it, so it was uh, amazing to kind of hear something that it was in my head suddenly being sung out by so many people. Is that part of the joy of it when you think actually, you know, it's, it's not just going to be 18 or 20 or even 30 people, but, you know, you, you might get two, 300 doing this. Does, does that add an extra free song? Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing when, uh, you know, people enjoy something that you've done and, and kind of want to sing it because the whole purpose of doing this stuff is you want people to sing it. Uh, so if you have lots of people choosing to sing that, it can't be a, a bad thing and it's fun to kind of see that happen and people singing it all over the place. And while Sweet Adelines have been making use of the talents of Simon Arnott, their US counterparts, the Barbershop Harmony Society, paid Sam Hubbard the huge compliment of using one of his arrangements to conclude their international convention Saturday night special show in Salt Lake City. A long way to travel for something which began life as a project to celebrate the success of two Yorkshire choruses who sang it together like this.
that was without a song, yes. Um, so, without a song was an eight-part arrangement that I did for Hallmark's 40th anniversary show. So Tim, our director, had the idea. We were singing on the show, and we also had the White Rosettes, who are sort of you know perennial labs champions, uh, as our guests on the show. And it was an eight-parter for for the two choruses. The other guest on our show was Instant Classic, who had flown over from the states. And um, they very kindly said they would learn the song to sing it with us so that we could all kind of sing it together at the end as a grand finale. Yeah, and, and the feedback from them was very supportive, very lovely and positive. And um, two things happened from that. So Cole, the baritone of Instant Classic, asked me if he could take the arrangement and put it on his CD. So Cole did a sort of uh, solo style album of multi-tracks or, or he, he runs a, a learning track business and he took a dozen songs and recorded all the parts himself and made a cd so he together with kim newcomb who's also a learning track producer uh, recorded without a song and put it on their album which was very cool and very nice to listen to uh, for me certainly and then theo uh, the lead of instant classic asked me if he could take the arrangement and stage it on the bhs stage so Theo, I think, was in charge of running what's called the Saturday Night Spectacular at VHS this year, which is a sort of mini show they do before the quartet finals. And um, they were looking for a, for a finale, and he messaged me about a fortnight before <laughs> before it was due to happen and said, do you mind if we buy it and use it? And after I picked up my jaw off the floor, I, I said, yes, yes, of course. And um, I, w- I watched the whole thing live on the webcast at sort of stupid o'clock on the morning on, on, on Tim and Hannah's uh, living room sofa. Yeah, and it was a it was a wonderful experience. It was it was it was surreal more than anything else, to be honest, because I've spent so many years watching the webcast, seeing all these groups that I admire doing, you know, singing songs. It just it just feels like this whole other faraway land. But it was it, it was very strange to see something that I'd written coming out of the laptop speakers as as something on the international stage. It was it was very cool and a bit scary, but mainly cool. Bryant was watching the webcast too. That moment in particular was, I think, a defining moment. And Sam, I'm lost for words when it comes to Sam's arranging. And it was such a, a proud moment for the kind of British barbershop um, arranging community when that arrangement was was sung. It's amazing that we are sort of breaking America because it's, it's kind of been difficult to get on the same level as arrangers like David Wright and Aaron Dale and Tom Gentry. But with people like Sam, we are finally breaking into America and, and gaining that reputation.
Without a Song, arranged by Sam Hubbard and performed there by the Saturday Night Spectacular Ensemble in Salt Lake City. Thank you to BHS for providing that audio. And you can enjoy that particular moment too now by heading to the Barbershop Harmony Society page on YouTube where you'll find the recording. Well, we've already heard about Fortuity's success at Sweet Adelines this year with the Hannah song among their performance set. But other British arrangers featured prominently too. Sam Hubbard was there. Uh, that was that was a, a great week, uh, but it was very exciting from a arranging point of view because there were a lot of British arrangements on the stage. I was there to support four groups from Region 31, so there were quartets, Nightfall and Fortuity, and the choruses Viva Acapella and the Fourth Valley Chorus. Fortuity and Fourth Valley both made the finals, which was, which was great, the top ten. Fortuity sang an arrangement of Little Black Dress, which was arranged by Hannah Briggs. And Fourth Valley, actually, the, their entire finals package was made of in-house arrangements. If I understand correctly, I think they, they did two songs arranged by David Sankster, their director, and two other songs arranged by um, Rosalind Johnson, who's their assistant director. excerpt from the performance which powered Fourth Valley Chorus into the worldwide top ten, the first ever UK chorus to achieve such a high placing. This song, I've Got the Sun in the Morning and the Moon at Night, was arranged by MD David Sangster along with Autumn Leaves. The other two songs in the set from Rosalind Johnson were If I Ain't Got You and Hold My Hand. Again, YouTube is the place to find that performance, a link on the Fourth Valley website. Well, currently, the British barbershop landscape is rich in fine musical arrangers. Some like Liz Garnett, Zach Bowles and Heather Lane we've heard from in previous podcasts. And there are other names too, Alex Kaiserman, Francis Carter and Paul Davis. Uh, you will doubtless have your favourites, Sally McLean. I think we're getting better. I, I think Heather Lane um, has done some amazing arrangements. I think primarily for Gem Connection, uh, amazing arrangements she's done, and she arranged Skyfall for the White Rosettes, which has been a, a hardy repertoire song that's always asked for. She did a great job with that. with that awesome interpretation of Skyfall from the Bond movie performed at one of the shows at Babs 2016 convention. So, with all this success, are our arrangers trying to develop their own particular styles? I asked Sam Hubbard. Not really. I, th I, think, I think I'm more trying to develop my 
my own range of ability and, and my ability to arrange in different styles. Although, to be honest, more than that, uh, what drives my eclecticness isn't my own fancy. It's whatever people are paying me to do, <laughs> to be honest, which may include Paul McCartney. It may include Britney Spears. It may include Tim Panali songs. I'm, I, I love all of them and I'm happy to do all of them. <laughs> For Hannah Briggs, arranging is just one of many barbershop interests and commitments. And though she says she'd like to develop her own style, she also says that's unlikely to happen for now. There's just no time for me to do the things that I actually want to do. It's more being commissioned uh, and then saying, yeah, I can do that for you. And then obviously having the passion about that song is important. So if someone commissioned something that, you know, I wasn't a big fan of, it would take a lot for me to say, yeah, I'll do it. Because you have to really care about the song, I think. But there is one type of song for which Hannah has recently developed a passion. And it's rooted in the rich and vibrant tradition of folk songs to be found close to home in Sheffield. Down Sheffield Park a maid did dwell A brisk young man, he loved her I arranged one of the kind of traditional Sheffield folk songs for a uni project that I did last year. So it's called Sheffield Park and it was by this guy called, I think it's Roger Hinchcliffe, uh, and he was someone in the 70s and 80s, I think, who went around all the pubs in Sheffield singing his folk songs. Uh, people would just, you know, join in if they knew, knew a chorus or whatever. And I found it online and I used it in one of my university projects and now my chorus Steel City Voices sing it so that's definitely inspired me for that and I think we've got such a kind of rich heritage especially in Sheffield um, that we can take inspiration from Um, and I definitely did with that one. So are there other Sheffield South Yorkshire songs that you would like to arrange? Well, from that project, it kind of brought up a whole other list of songs, because there was that one, obviously, because it had Sheffield in the title, I wanted to use it because it worked really well with my project, but there were there were so many others that people just never heard of, and there's this great website which has just loads of Yorkshire folk songs, and it's lists of Yorkshire folk songs, who's written them, when it was, the titles and they've got like a PDF of the melody so and they've got a little recording of people singing it so you could literally if you're a first-time arranger and you wanted to use that as inspiration you can take it you've got the melody there it's all written out really clearly and then kind of go from there that's what I did with that one you could bring these songs really to a whole new audience yeah I think the folk song tradition could definitely be a whole new kind of genre in barbershop kind of arranging it into this style where you know, four voices or more voices could sing it. But it would kind of become a little subgenre. I think it definitely could. And I would I would love to get that going. It's an intriguing possibility. And the sort of thing which Sam Wolfe believes is necessary if Barbershop as a whole is to continue not only to survive, but to thrive. 
I think uh, it's always important in any art form for there to be some kind of development and growth, even if it is necessarily rooted in tradition like Barbershop is. Already in the last couple of years, we've seen institutions like BHS and Babs and Labs and, and SAI, all these institutions like making leaps and steps forwards in sort of like um, changing what they're actually looking for or what the rules are as to what you can and can't sing as to, and why you can and can't sing that. And that's happened because of the development of uh, music that's covered, because Barbershop is traditionally covers. It'll be nice to eventually see um, sort of original songs coming through designed um, to sort of ring well for Barbershop and things. But hey, I'm excited that we have this sort of influx of a new generation of arrangers coming in with so many new ideas. Original Barbershop songs. For an art form whose origins date back 150 years, that would indeed be an exciting new development. Samuel Wolfe's meantime colleague Simon Arnott told me that he is currently working on just such a project. Yes, uh, I've got a lyricist in the chorus that I'm very good friends with and we've been sat working together on a song and we've been trying to see if we can write barbershop music that sits kind of within our kind of ideals of what we want music to have emotionally and again the kind of stuff that will suit the chorus we think. So yeah, that's kind of our next like little project. Watch this space. And thank you for listening to this 21st Harmony UK podcast on the subject of British barbershop arrangers. Thanks to all our arrangers for taking part. Sam Hubbard, Hannah Briggs, Nick Bryant, Simon Arnott, Samuel Wolfe and James Whittick. Along the way, we've heard a lot of examples of their songs and styles. And I've added links to all the performances which are available on YouTube to a list which you'll be able to find on the Harmony UK podcast page on Facebook. Well, that's about it for 2019. Do have a wonderful, harmonious Christmas and New Year. Uh, from me, John Beasley, until we meet again, keep the whole world singing and bye-bye for now.